Welcome. So glad you're here. You have found the space of the internet where me and my brother are staring into the sun. So glad you joined us. Hey, brother. Good to hey, see you, man. man. Yeah, good to see you too as we stare into the sun together. I liked how you said that the space in the internet, That's you right. found your way in the universe. That's right. To you us. know, in, in a world where, where we're fighting over what can be on the internet, you have, oh, you have found yourself to a beautiful place where we talk freely we and openly. Hope so. Yeah, we're going to talk about matters of, of the head and the heart, and uh, you're here because you're interested in seeing what can come from that, hopefully interested in thinking with us. So while you're here, definitely hit the like button, uh, subscribe, share it on social media, uh, tell your friends, uh, talk to us, reach out to us. Yeah. We uh, Complete strangers at Kroger. We're, we, we are cool with you telling anybody about Yes, if, if you want somebody <laughs> to have some help engaging yeah. with issues of faith and spirituality and psychology, which is a common hot point in, in faith circles. And uh, we're, we we jump right in and uh, we think it's uh, useful to you. So we, we got a fun topic. It's it's our, our third in a series where we're talking about questions that we've taken from you listeners. So yeah. And before today. we get to that, actually, I just had a conversation with uh, some folks that are new listeners to our podcast and they were talking about how, how helpful it was, specifically the one, uh, I think we talked about perfectionism. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I was like, I forget the title of that uh, uh -huh. episode. Go back and check it out. But it was just cool to to you know interact with you all as listeners and uh, hear that new people are listening and stuff. So that was kind of fun uh, to engage with some folks that are just grabbing on and and they're listening to the whole library. You know, they're they're new cool. engagement. So yeah, we want to cool. let you know too if you are just jumping on. We have we don't we have like a, a whole ton yet of episode content, but there's there's quite a bit of content on. On our podcast now, so we're building a yeah. library. And well, we and we try to say, yeah, we try to say some of the quiet stuff out loud. You know, when you're sitting in the church pew, or you know, or your uh, or your synagogue, or wherever you're at, and and you come across something in the church that that pings off of mental health or psychology, and and nobody's saying, well, well, what do we do with that? Or, well, it says to be perfect. Well, well, that just becomes a mess in my head. Um, and so we we try to enter into those areas to help help you navigate them. So, yeah, I like that. How beautiful. you like, we, what, how'd you say that? We'd like to say things out loud. Is that what you The saying? quiet parts out loud. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. And mm -hmm. uh, I think a great description of what we're hoping to accomplish here. And speaking of topics of mental health too, just a little plug for um, my side of the realm. So my brother, Rob is the, the part of the beautiful collision of the mind. Although I like to think about things too, but um, I'm the spiritual side, the heart. And uh, in my church, we're leaning into a season of Lent and, uh, going to specifically be talking about um, topics of mental health and really excited about that. You're also going to be able to uh, hopefully connect with some of those resources and vice versa. But just a little plug about some things going on on my side of the, the spectrum. Excited about How would somebody find your church, John? Yeah, so you can check us out at elivinghope.com uh, for resources there. And uh, actually, I'm hoping to have some plugs for Rob to connect with our church and be sharing some other social media resources you're going to be seeing the days to come specifically to the topic of uh, mental health and some ways uh, we can enter in and, and hopefully help you with them. Some, uh, you know, just some 
tactics, some things yeah, to think about, stuff. practical right. stuff to engage in those mental health topics. So yeah, yeah. so so elivinghope.com and uh, you can find me at uh, on socials, uh, you, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Dr. Robert Gibson. Um, you'll see my. You can't see us yet, but hopefully someday. But you'll see my mug there and uh, Dr. Robert Gibson. And so I, I put a lot of the stuff I'm writing and trying to sort out uh, that I'm, I'm ready to put out public. And, and you can engage with us there. And, and, of course, you can subscribe to our podcast. So, well, let's get to it, man. We, yeah. are, on, uh, we are on You Asked For It and We're Answering. So this is question number three. And this, we're going to dive into this. And John and, I, John and I have talked about this a little bit, but I, I really don't know what he's going to say about this. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so this is from our Villains and Empathy podcast that we did uh, in the fall. And uh, one of the questions uh, from one of our listeners, uh, I think I saw this question on Instagram, actually. It said, how do we engage in authentic conversation with others when it seems we're all coming to the table with an I'm right mentality? And so how do we engage in authentic, real conversation when we're really coming to the table with an I'm right, you're wrong type of mentality? What do we do with that? That's what the listener asked us to engage with is uh, how, do we, how do we forge ahead? Yeah, that's a tough one because it, I think first off, that, what comes to my head is it pokes at something that I think is deeply embedded in all of humanity, right, is, is our need to be right. And I think I would refrain that. In uh, maybe the language of my need to understand my surroundings and world and control them, uh, and I, I don't know if that's that's partly from our our need to be able to survive in the world, you know, to like understand what's going on around me, to see the reality that's present around me, uh, and in in order to survive that reality and to control that reality, and uh, I think as as we move on as the human race, that morphs itself into because I think control can always lead to toxic places. Uh, you get into those conversations of power and manipulation. and um, But really, for me, at the, at the base level, I'm curious what you think about that just from a, a, a mental right. standpoint. Well, I was I was thinking about, you know, the the two, you know, the two hunter gatherers that come across paths and they decide to eat together. And and one of the gatherers says, these berries are fine. Let's let's enjoy them. <laughs> And the other guy's like, are you sure? They are not fine. <laughs> you know, this could kill us. Um, and so having a sense of whether an idea is correct or not, a way of thinking is right or not, has some serious implications for us biologically. And and now, so that's our heritage. That's the world we used to live in. And then our, you know, over the last whatever you would want to call it last thousand years, but definitely the last several hundred years. I mean, things are, things are changing drastically as far as what we can be exposed to and how we communicate with each other, but our bodies are still responding, I think in this way, which is the truth really matters. Um, because if I've got the truth wrong, it can really hurt me. Um, and I think you can see that in this, I'm right, you're wrong. Um, you see this in churches when somebody brings in a new idea. You see this in academia when somebody posits a new idea. I mean, think, think you know, hundreds of years ago, Galileo or Copernicus or, you know, something like that. It's like, uh, you know, we, we've Extreme got some reactions yeah, to, <laughs> to, to the radicals, as they were called. And then uh, or Darwin or, uh, you know, the person who, uh, you know, un, uh, who found uh, the idea of plate tectonics, you know, these people are outliers and radicals. And uh, the concern is, is when you've got a radical idea that's radically wrong, it causes major trouble. 
right? And so we we have traditions and ways of shunning those things to say, well, that's not orthodoxy. Keep that away because um, it could hurt us. And so yeah, I, I think you have to reckon thing, with that. That hurt thing's a big deal. So just like in my world, you know, well, or our world is in spirituality, faith. You think about it in that context. I mean, we're talking about some pretty severe consequences if if the ideas that you have happen to not be right, you know. And I, I think that's why we so passionately uh, defend our belief, you know, because the, for us, they are the foundation and the boundaries with which we interpret what is going to happen to me in this life and in the life to come. And we're, when we get into the conversation of spirituality, we're starting to talk about beyond this life and like all of eternity. So there's pretty, some, some pretty like huge right. stakes, right? And right. so no wonder we're passionate about the, the confines with which we interpret who is God and how does God want us to live and uh, what what if what's right and what's wrong and what's God's response to the things mm. we do that are right mm. and wrong and and when, whenever you start to to bring into the the conversation these huge like stakes like, like I said before right. all of a sudden it means a lot whether I'm right or wrong. Right. And you bringing, like you said, the radical ideas or something that might challenge my boundaries. Uh-huh. You're not just challenging whether the thing I think about is right or wrong. You're threatening my future and my well-being. Yeah. Really, I think what it comes down to is we feel a well-being threat to someone or some any kind of idea that might be counter to the way we figured out the world. And specifically like spirituality. Now, I think this does apply to other things for sure. Oh, well, I mean, you can just take a look around you, uh, right. whether it's politics, whether it, or... yeah, you know, vaccines or, you know, any, or, you know, any number of things that, that we found ourselves encamped on, um, uh, you know, sexual ethics, you know, any, any number of these areas, um, you can see the intensity ratchet up because uh, oftentimes statements will say like, well, that idea can lead to harm to people. Right. And, and going back to my example, with the idea that this berry won't poison you, that's a dangerous idea if it's wrong. Right. But the challenge that we face, you know, together with this question is, well, but a lot of times we don't we don't know what we're doing. We're like groping around in the dark and we can't see and we think we can. And if you look back on history, there, it's just littered with uh I think a mix of people who really arrived at, at a true understanding and that preserved them, but also uh, people relying on untrue ideas that ultimately destroy them or cause them harm or pain or whatever it might be. Um, you know, you, you can think of lots of, you know, for, you know, perhaps natural disasters, uh, like, uh, was it like the Titanic is a good example, right? Of a, of a false idea that led to great harm, right? That, you know, this ship is so big, nothing could sink it, right? That's an idea that's dangerous. Um, now you don't get to something like the Titanic without somebody being willing to have radical ideas, like a boat this big could float, right? Like who, <laughs> no way. Right. <laughs> or, or a massive metal object could fly through the sky, right? That, that's insanity, but it, it actually happens. And so I think that's the real challenge is how do we, I think we need to think through today, what is a pathway for how to respect that reality? Because I think if, if we invite somebody to say, hey, you know, it, what, we, what we all need to do is turn down the temperature. It's not really that big a deal. 
I don't think that's really going to work because these are high stakes issues and you can't ignore that. Yeah, they matter. I I feel like I want to have some conversation as we drill down on this a little bit is is to, again, my brain keeps coming back to this main idea. You talked about the the cavemen, you know, and the berry, Mm -hmm. right? And about how we, what's our posture towards the world? Okay. So as human beings, when I think about that example or, and, and all these things that we've talked about, if you think about it, that most of us, not, I would say, if I'm brave enough to say all of us relate to the world in a posture where everything is coming, is coming towards us. So there's information about my environment and my world and relationships that are coming towards me. And I'm interpreting whether they're a threat or they're healthy to me. I'm learning about my world, learning to control my world. But in that environment, and I think most of us find ourselves in this place, that I am the center of the universe. I mean, you even mentioned Galileo and all those kind of things that are even the original thought about our universe is that the, and we do this as humans, we are, we are human centric thinkers, right? So w- when you quantify that down, that means that I am at the center of my world. Mm-hmm. And so my posture towards the world is thinking about my own survival or my own wholeness or what's best for me from, from the center of my universe and everything else is impacting that reality, right? So in that world, really, it comes down to either you're a threat or you're something that's going to establish my longevity or make me healthier or better and make my situation better. Like there's just two camps. There's there's other and there's me, you know, or, mm-hmm. or something that is... Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think there there is something... And again, I'm connecting this with a spiritual or a faith idea that we'll talk about maybe in a little bit. But I think there's something inherently broken about that. Hmm. I wonder what you think about that. When when I am at the center of my world, or, or I use this language a lot in my church, when you live life from a self-centric perspective, there's something broken about that that puts yeah. us in a posture towards the wall, towards the world, and towards others that it kind of sets us in a bad place right from the start if I live with yeah. a self-centric worldview. Well, one, the energy around it is, well, I'm the one responsible for whether I live or die. Like it ultimately just ends with me. So in a way, there's a lot of energy driving being self-centered, right? But we, we have all sorts of tradition and culture and religion, religious ideas that I think poke against that. And if you think about it, uh, what is the wisest way of coming at what's real? You, like, let's take that cave caveman example. Um, the, the wisest way to get at what's true is to not rely simply on myself because I have one, I have two, you know, one set of eyes. I've got one experience. And like you said, we tend to prioritize that. But if I can rely upon collective experience of many people, the odds are much better that I'm going to arrive at what's true. Now, what makes that tricky, and I think it throws a wrench in all of this, is what if somebody in that group is lying or they're gaming the system or they actually are malicious or nefarious or whatever? It, like, it, it, it messes the whole thing up and gives me even more reason to say, you know what, all, I've learned from this. All I should do is rely on myself. Um, and the, the story that I've been thinking about this week related to this is the garden of Eden story. And, um, 
so, so you have this story where, you know, Adam and Eve are, you know, given the garden and, and they're, they're, you know, said to, you know, uh, basically everywhere is yours. And essentially I think what I read in it is like, you know, the pathway to your best life is to walk with me in relationship together. And then you have this, this, this idea posed by the serpent that says, oh, there's a quicker way to knowledge and understanding. You can do it yourself. You just got to eat this thing. Uh, it, and it's, it's just you. And what follows from that is shame and hiding. And like the, they can't handle the knowledge that comes from it because, uh, it, 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 well, ultimately it's to their destruction and their death. And I think of that, I'm not taking a spiritual interpretation of the scripture there, but I've been thinking, you know, a, a way of thinking about that story is something like, as we try to discover what is true about ourselves and about the world around us, the, the belief that we could do that on our own, um, the, the story of Adam and Eve is without God. And I think what that can then tell us is without uh, the, the most... Uh, how would I say this, like putting together relationship in the most uh, effective way possible, that is the way that we arrive at truth that can actually not destroy us. Hmm. Um, because what, what I see in these tribalistic dialogues is someone says, I've arrived at the knowledge of good and evil. I know that I'm good and that you're evil. And that leads to shame and covering and hiding and destruction. And I think the message of that of that story, one way of reading it is uh, the pathway to discern what is good and evil is actually through uh, connected relationships. Now, those are precarious because you could be in danger by them. But the, the, the only way we get there is by connected relationships where where you know, ideas can be shared and where trust can be built and things like that. I, I, I think at the heart of it, I see that as, as the way forward. You're, you're touching on some things. I'm like, Oh yes, there, here we go. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, So Adam and Eve story, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's so relevant. All right. And if you're, if you're new with us, maybe, maybe you're, you're not a faith person, totally fine. Um, Check it out. It's in right at the beginning of the Bible. You cannot miss it. (laughs) It's right after God said, and then we have, you know. And to make a plug, I mean, this is a text that's been around for thousands of years and we still have it. So even if you're not going to ascribe to a, you know, a spiritual connection with God, humans have kept this thing around for a really long time. And so it might be worth seeing what you can, principles. Yeah, yeah, what you can gather from it. Go ahead. I think it's a little more, but I, yeah, absolutely. Right. right. There's something good out of it. So at, let's talk to Adam and Eve, because I think this is a really unique story. And I think that it, it really connects to what, what, what we've been talking about here. Right. So Adam and Eve go along, right? God, if, if you don't know the story, God creates uh, this beautiful place of Eden. It's a place of perfect um, relationship. Um, and Adam and Eve were created to exist in perfect relationship where there's, there is an enemy, right? There's no other, there is just this communal existence together where, where one exists for the betterment of other. And that is true for all creation. In fact, when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them the work of stewarding creation, right? So from the beginning, God, I think, set a standard for Adam and Eve that creation isn't for you. I've created you for creation. So again, we're talking about this posture towards the world. When God created this perfect place, Adam and Eve's posture was one not 
where they're self, they were self-centric, but it was other-centric because their whole existence was, was created to have this posture of, I'm here to steward, I'm here to be a part of right. creation, to steward creation. That's, an, that's a from, here, from me outward sort of posture. Now, the whole story changed, Robbie. Check it out. When did the whole story change? It changed when the snake or the devil or however you want to describe him, when this other voice entered in and this enemy entered in and changed Adam and Eve's posture. And it moved them from being stewards of the kingdom to convincing them that the kingdom was there for them. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Yeah. And it said, hey, do you want to be like God? Hey, there's this tree you're not allowed to eat. You, you, why don't you go eat that? And because it's for you, and you should be able to enjoy everything about the. He, mm-hmm. he changed their posture towards creation, and uh-huh. and really sent all of humanity and all of creation on this path of destruction and towards death. And I I believe it's all because of that shift of posture. Whenever we whenever we approach life where other is enemy, rather than I'm a part uh-huh. of other to right. be my best self, then I move towards violence and destruction. I mean pop world culture right now look at what's happening in ukraine with russia and and these tribal separations and it all begins with a me first me centric posture towards the world and in that posture the only thing other people can be is either for my use which is toxic Uh or for my or everything's about power or opposed of me right and then their enemy so and both are toxic yeah. So my my thought is how how do we change? Getting to that question, like how do we change this whole deal, right? What? How do we approach others without without having? How do we get out of this tribal thing? I th- I think it begins, and I believe Jesus is the answer to this. But I but I think it begins with learning how to change my posture from being self centric to to being others focused. Right. And right. To, to regain my steward or my living for the mutual betterment of the world around me. Yeah. And if I were to play the devil's advocate in that story, I think sometimes someone might read that story and say, well, no, this is, this is an endorsement of, of the importance of shunning bad ideas, right? The serpent comes in with a false, um, a, a false assertion that they adopt. And I like how you're getting at this because I think you could you could take that and run with it and say, well, okay, so our task is to maintain like orthodox ideology and anything that would go against that, any new idea, we need to shun it at the door. I mean, I, I think the church is wrestling that, with this around sexuality and, and sexual ethics in the church. And essentially, I think what, what you're saying there is if if some sort of idea in your system leads you to adopting a posture where you are no longer relationship centered, but instead power centered or self centered, uh, you're off. And, and I think that helps us do two things because I think one of the big critiques of, uh, religion is that it prevents people from being able to have open mind to new ideas. They close themselves off to potential changes in thinking that might be needed. And I think what you're saying here is, no, it wasn't necessarily engaging with some sort of thought that was the problem. What needs to be maintained is the attitude toward 
other and toward relationship. And if the fruit of an idea results in uh, an attitude toward relationship that's about power and domination or self-preservation, then we're off somewhere. And so our target isn't necessarily maintaining the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the holy ideas and keeping that from being contaminated. It's, it's maintaining a holy posture Mm, towards like the world around us. I think that's what you were saying. Yeah. And I think the thing we, when I say we in terms of evangelicals, Christ followers, orthodoxy, okay. we get all freaked out about that because we think that having a posture of openness towards others means that we have to, that we say like across the board, whatever the ideas are. Ideas. Yeah, the, the, the truth remains, yeah. the thing that, that the snake or the, the dude who, gave the guy the wrong berry. The, uh-huh. the truth, the truth is that was bad. <laughs> like there are some things that go on in our world that aren't best for you. But if I, but if I start with a posture of not, not from myself and your threat instead, what's, you know, as I'm stewarding the community around me, I'm looking out for what's best for a neighbor, what's best for the people around me. Uh, and, and the way Some, we get there, there are things that are negative for them. Sure. That we see, and if but we, you know yeah, saying? but we have to collectively, we we have to arrive at that in relationship, like in, in a relational uh, epistemics or finding of what's true, right? As opposed to a, I am God and I've arrived right. at what is true for you and for me, and I'm going to dictate that to you. Um, and you know, all sorts of problems flow from that. And it makes me think of, uh, one of, one of my, one of my neighbors that has since moved away. Um, and, uh, we, uh, before we knew anything about each other, and, and in the days of social media now, it kind of feels like you know somebody's politics and their their tribal positions before you even know anything else about them. And uh, the, the thing I love about neighboring is uh, th- this guy and his wife, we got to know each other over uh, uh, like gardening and landscaping, right? And laughing about, you know, just in the earth dirt type of stuff. And it was only later, I think, you know, we were at some sort of, you know, community uh, cookout or something where politics gets brought up. And I'm like, oh, we are very different in our perspectives on this. And and it it was like this surprising moment to both of us. We We were both thinking, oh, I really like being around you. And you have these ideas that are very different than mine. And, and it was fine. Right. It was b- because we had fostered a relationship where we just cared about each other's lives in the midst of living. And I think if if I were to kind of point us to practicality from this philosophy of, you know, do you do you start with, you know, where does this lead in my attitude towards the other person? Is it a power based attitude or is it a uh, I'm connected and in relationship with them and. Uh, creation is is not for me. I'm for creation. I think is how you said it. Um, uh, if if I maintain that attitude, then practically what that means, I think, is examining. Well, how am I engaging in relationship with other people? What is social media or internet or the news or whatever it is I'm engaging with? Is it fostering an approach to my relationships with other people that would would result in seeing them as my neighbor and someone I could connect with, or does it foster in me seeing them as an enemy? And this is so side note, right? I, yeah. Cause I think this, 
a, a unique challenge for our generation is is social media and our access to um, platforms. Uh, I was right. talking about this. Uh, I'm actually getting ready to start a new podcast. They're curated um, for us. <laughs> called One Last Word. We're going to talk about post-Sunday sermon things. But I was thinking, because we just talked about uh, the scripture in Luke uh, where Jesus says to love your enemies, right? To mm-hmm. love those who are too, who are bad to you and all that. Like somebody hits you in the face, turn the other cheek. Because it's like radical ideas. Love your enemy, you know? Cool. And I, I was thinking to myself how the reality of, uh, of the access we have to platforms disconnects us from community, right? So when mm-hmm. I get on social media, when I, and really when I take part in what we're talking about here, where I, this tribalism, other uh, is enemy, it's even more toxic because when I get up and I talk on a platform where I'm disconnected from people, I don't have to look anybody in the face, and I'm kind of talking to the general like populace or, or the, the whole of everybody who happens to, I'm not talking to Joe, my neighbor who thinks differently than me. I'm talking to like to all Democrats in the entire world yeah. about what. And so when uh-huh. you, when you step back away from community, it, it removes us even mm-hmm. more from yep. this interaction with, I believe how God created us to be. And, and you hit it right on. I, that's a beautiful story with your neighbors. Like way to mm-hmm. go, Robbie, mm-hmm. to, to engage with someone first, purely out of, com, out of a communal desire to, to know them, to hear their story and to work for their good, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what relationship ought to be. And when that's mutual, then I receive the very thing that I so desperately want in the giving of it. You know, if you want right. connection, if you start with get, giving that connection to someone else, you're perpetuating what I believe are the realities of the kingdom of God. Right. And it's this circular weird mystery of divinity, right? Where you give something that you desire to get back and you receive. Right. Well, and practically that's true because say I have an idea that I believe to be true, that if you don't adopt it, it's going to lead to harm to you and other people. The best way for me to help to, to have you consider engaging with that idea is to build trust with you that's real, not dominate you, not belittle you or shame you or humiliate you. Uh, it, it, like, th- this is something that er- everyone who's had kids has had to come face to face with um, and learn is you can use authority for a time, but eventually uh, it if you want it to be internalized for them, it, they've got to be convinced. Um, and uh, so, so the best way to, to, to engage with that idea is, is to develop a relationship. And so, yeah, I, I think that that is the pathway is to foster relationship. And, and the, the algorithms and the dynamic of social media, meaning that you don't have to have any consequence or skin in the game for what you say as far as how it affects other people, I think uh, – we're going to live in, that's the world we live in. It's going to be happening. We have to figure out a way to maintain our humanity as we engage in that. And I think one of the ways it can start with is, is setting your target for how do I want to use this tool and learn from the garden? What do I want my posture to be towards this tool or towards creation? And, and then pay attention. What's the fruit of it? Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's good. I like that fruit. So I was, I was thinking of something really practical, right? Yeah. Um, and then I had another thought when you said that about fruit. Um, sorry, I'm writing something down. No, so, that's good. so super practical, right? How do I engage in the world 
in this way of being non-tribal? Like, how do we get out of this tribal attitude? That going back to especially our question, if somebody's right? tribal with you, yeah. where others are enemies, uh-huh. that that whole mm-hmm. posture of trying to be right, right? So super practical. I want to I want to encourage you as a listener, and Rob, I'd love to hear you comment on this because yeah. that may be way off too, right? So our world, when we think about our world and how we want the world to change, and again, this connects all the way back to we want change so that we can you know, protect ourselves and be right and all of those kind of things. But we live in a top-down sort of world. So think of a pyramid, right? So how we think about a change is at the top, there's this one idea or this one voice that disperses change down to the masses. This is how our government is set up, right? We have people at the top that are supposed to implement change down to the masses. And that's how change is implemented in the world. And mm-hmm. we have, in many ways, adopted this in our own beliefs about how we can change the world to the way we want it. Yeah, we long and, for a and king. Social yes. media gives us access mm-hmm. to, we are all kings, right? We all have access to a platform where mm-hmm. we can say something that will disperse to the masses and change the world. Mm-hmm. Live from hell, right? I don't, it's, and we look across human uh-huh. history, that sort of that sort of model for change never works. So how can we break this cycle of tribalism? I would encourage you that what in whatever place that you're engaging in these conversations, and I think we need to be clear today that we're we're not advocating to not have good conversations or to be exposed to other new ideas or or to even say, hey, this new idea I don't think really is, is good and healthy for anybody, you know? Like those are good conversations to have. The question is how do we have them in healthy ways? that are productive to our well-being and the well-being of the greater community. I think we need to flip the pyramid. And really this for me is taking a lesson from Jesus is that real change happens in in individual conversations. So the smaller you can make your audience, I think the better. Maybe that's a good practical tip as you're trying to break out of this tribalism is ste- use social media or 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 step away from things that advocate for you to communicate your thoughts or have conversations with masses and try Mm -hmm. to narrow it down. So if it's social media and you want to talk about politics, you want to talk about new ideas, find some friends to message instead of posting a general post. Mm -hmm. Or if it's in your church, you know, instead of going like go to a group and have a conversation with people face to face in whatever whatever avenue you're talking in or having these conversations in, I think a good rule of thumb to be able to like a first step to break out of this tribalism is to narrow down where we're having those conversations, get to a place where I can talk to a person or I can have individual conversations and flip that pyramid so that you're actually face to face with someone and Mm -hmm. seeing, seeing them as a person. Um, And then, so, and one more thing, and then I'll give the table to you Mm -hmm. because I think after we do that, then you need to ask yourself two questions. One, what what's your motivation in those conversations? We've talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Number one is my motivation to be right. Then you need to think about that and why you're having conversations. Am I mm-hmm. doing this because I need to be right or validate mm-hmm. what I believe? Or is my motivation to encourage the flourishing of someone else in my world and then me in that cycle? So yeah. do I need to be right or am I encouraging flourishing? I think that's another practical tip in talking yeah. about these sorts of things. Yeah, and that's the message of sacrifice. That, mm. That's the example of Jesus. Come on. That, Come that on. I flourish. <laughs> I, I flourish. I'm most likely to flourish when I make an initial sacrifice. Um, and, and I think you and I certainly can, and I think our listeners could 
look around and find, uh, you know, littered with destruction is is a, a space where people weren't making sacrifices and they were mm. they were prioritizing themselves. Um, so yeah, right on. Um, so how would the, how, let's just do a practical example in our world today? How would this conflict between Russia and Ukraine be different if both of those those leaders and countries, how, however that would happen, if and maybe it starts with leaders, if they started from a perspective of what is best for my neighbor. I mean, mm-hmm. it's an easy conversation. I wonder, I wonder how that conflict would change if it, if they first asked, "What's best for my neighbor?" Like, mm-hmm. how could my neighbor f- really flourish and be the best yep. version of themselves? It would yeah. be totally different. It, it would, and I think you're. No, that's unrealistic, well. obviously. But but I like the <laughs> idealist. Ver- well, like, you know. well, but th- but we have ideals for a reason, and you're saying it, it's. But but the change doesn't happen in a top-down way, and and that was what that's what everyone wanted Jesus to do, and they were yeah, upset right, with him when he didn't. And he said, "No, the point of transformation is with individual people that I'm going to get mm-hmm. to know and I'm going to connect with, and I'm going to show you how to do it." And, and that is the way to really preserve and make things happen. And so I think, uh, you know, uh, I would have two encouragements. One is, uh, is to, to, to set down your phone and get, like, get to know your neighbor, like talk to them, uh, eat with them, uh, uh, you know, do something, help them out with the project, um, you know, some, something. Just look around and, and in the flesh connect with people with people where you can. And then as you, I think another recommendation I would say is as you engage with social media, it recognize the tool that it is. And if you find it fostering a relationship of power dynamics where you're, you, you are, you are finding yourself engaging in dominating ways or you're being dominated by other people. I don't think that's the best use of social media. I think social media is awesome for, like sharpening ideas and testing them out. And I think it's the, it's, it's a great marketplace of ideas, but it's not a place of human connection. Um, it, it, it can get it started, but I think, uh, the problem is, is that, is that it's, it's, it can be gamed too easily. And the algorithms also manipulate us as far as what they direct us towards. And so we're not in charge of it. And so I would say have in the flesh relationships that you engage with and then when you get on social media, have a plan for how you want to, to engage. And if somebody is engaging with you in a dominating way, charitably say, you know, that that's not what I'm using this for. I'm going to, I'm going to exit. Um, don't retaliate and revenge and, you know, propagate the problem. Um, and, and if you're in person with somebody, I think this can often happen with family members, things like that. I think uh, it's it's a good thing to do to step outside of the conversation that you're struggling with and just say, let's just do something else that reminds us that we're two people that have some shared reasons for you know being around each other and remind yourself of other things that you might have in common or that you might do together um, because ideas are really important, but we're also not God and we're pretty we're pretty terrible at predicting how dangerous something is or how not dangerous something is. Um, and so uh, I think engaging in some humility around that and, and fostering some relationship. So uh, if I were to give another practical bit, I know we got to go, is um, uh, I think if you find yourself in a situation where it's you against me, I think it's okay to say how you feel. 
you know what? I really don't like where this has gone. I feel like we're against each other and I care about you. I want to find a way to get out of this. And if their answer is, well, you know, unless you see it this way, there's no getting around it, man, there might not be much you can do and because they're, they're not open to it. But I think it's still worth trying to say, hey, I want to connect with you. Can we get around this? Can we table this or something? I think that's worth saying out loud and giving someone an opportunity to respond to it. And if they respond and continue to be against you or trying to dominate you, uh, take a break and talk to somebody else that you trust and get some feedback. Uh, am, am I seeing this right? Um, I think, you know, those are some options. I mean, there's some pitfalls with that. This isn't like uh, what I would do in a therapy session. There's just lots of complicated factors. But I think as a practical matter, uh, say what you think and, and how you feel about how you want to return to a relational posture. Yeah. That's so good, man. That's great mm -hmm. advice. I think for another topic down the road too, something that just popped in my head when you were talking about just talking to others is that we, we really do have a kind of a, uh, what's the, we have a leaning towards talking to people that look like me, think like me, have my same story, you know, which really, yeah. really is a, a great barrier to this human flourishing deal because it, it just sets us off right yep. from the get go. I only yeah. see, I only see and talk to people who look same and, and believe the same and think the same right. as I do. So I'd, I'd really encourage, and again, we can talk about that whole deal because that's a big conversation. I think that would be interesting to dive into, but I think to, don't be afraid to have some conversations with people who do or, and to be in relationship with some people who do think differently than you, who look differently than yes. you, who have a different story and go into yeah. those, go into those relationships, not with, not with the intent of, of, you know, telling them everything. And again, the, in the, uh, such a great conversation because in the whole missional evangelical world, our whole posture towards the world was, Hey, we want to make you like us, you know, this is so horrible, uh, but we've got nothing to learn. Yeah, from you. No, but go, go be in relationship with someone that is completely different than you for the simple purpose of hearing their story and learning mm -hmm. how to enter in and get to know someone without yeah. trying to convince them to be like you. I think again, check out a future episodes. We're going to talk more about that because I think there's a lot of good stuff, Beautiful. but man, this has been so good. Yes. What a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. hope, we hope it helps you break out of these deals, you know? Yeah. Set your intention to do it mm -hmm. yourself and don't expect other people to do it. Set it, set it yourself to do it yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah. Great book well, resource as we close here. Great book resource uh, on this line of stuff is a book called unclean by Richard Beck. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a science guy, kind of talks about just the the ethic of other and foreign things. It's just a really interesting book, so I encourage you to check it out. One of my favorite books of all time, Unclean by Richard Beck. We'll try to remember to put that in the show notes for you. Beautiful. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Again, remind you to, uh, to subscribe to the podcast, uh, like us on social, share it with other people, and uh, also reach out to us. You can do that on socials or uh, email staringintothesunpodcast at gmail.com if you've got input or feedback. Uh, we're trying to make it easier for you to engage with us, and so we'll have more rolling out there. But, uh, brother, it's been great, and uh, oh, thank you, listener, for joining us. And uh, until next time, we hope you join us again as we continue Staring Into the Sun. Grace and peace, everybody. The way we find ourselves is by staring.